Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm yes. your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hello, Internet. And Tori. Hello, Internet. We start every week with good things, so Craig, one thing. Just one thing, man. It's always one thing. Um, all right, guys, so this is our recording in February. So we are celebrating, because we all live in the U.S., um, we are celebrating Black History Month. Um, so I do have the last person I'd like to celebrate, and I think she's pretty well known, but but we'll see. Uh, but today, my good person is Katherine Johnson, who worked for NASA. She's pretty important because she, like, did a bunch of orbital calculations and stuff for um, the uh, Apollo program and the space shuttle program, actually. She, uh, she's something, all right. So um, there was a movie that was made featuring her as a character um, called Hidden Figures, which... Really um, good movie. It, it is a good movie. It has problems, of course. Um, it's... It is heavily fictionalized because segregation actually didn't exist at NASA at the time. Um, however, in the predecessor, which Katherine Johnson worked for, NACA, uh, they were segregated. So, like, the, the events and stuff you see in the movie are highly sensationalized. But that being said, she still, you know, I'm sure faced her share of discrimination while there. And, and she sort of talked about it a little bit. Like, in some cases, she didn't feel like there was any discrimination because she was just working and doing calculations. Like, they all were, not just her. But and other times, like, you had to make sure you were assertive, especially because she's a, a, a woman of color. Um, she had to, you know, be assertive, put herself out there to make sure, you know, she could actually do the work and things like that. Um, and the whole, like, she wasn't allowed to put her name on reports like that. That was true. That happened to her, that sort of thing. But anyway, the point is, she was an incredible mathematician, um, went to graduate school for it, which at the time was sort of surprising um, for a woman in general. And, of course, uh, being black to go through that sort of thing she like i said orbital calculations um for the mercury program the apollo program doing the rendezvous Look, guys i have played kerbal space program i don't do the math though i i have a concept a very small concept of what the math entails and to be able to do that by hand is just incredible like this is ridiculously high level it's incredible it's incredible so yeah Shout outs to her. She actually lived till she was 101. That's amazing, too. So she she got to see her movie. I, I think she was interviewed uh, for I think I think there's like a special feature for it. But anyway, um, maybe not. I don't know. She was, you know, rather old. But uh, the time, but still like incredible. Um, she has a computational research facility named after her at NASA. So cool. So, yeah, good stuff. Guys, if you if you if you don't know her, look her up. I mean, you could go watch Hidden Figures. Just be aware, it is a very fictionalized uh, telling of of what life was like at the time. All right, Dave. All right, my good person this week. Uh, I've been doing black musicians, and last week I mentioned Chuck Berry, and kind of as a side note, uh, how much he influenced video game music. Which is, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know I like video game music. 
Wait, you're going to uh, talk my... about the Back to Future NES game? <laughs> if you're not a longtime listener of this podcast, why are you on Oathbringer? Why, why are you on an Oathbringer episode, is my they question. They might have still read all the books. Um, anyway... <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to gatekeep anybody. Listen to whatever episodes you want. But um, sure. you want to no, make not... sure the later episodes are good, so then you'll go back and watch the earlier episodes. I know how that is. You can see how much not... we've improved or disproved <laughs> over the years. Not gatekeeping, just like man, this is a weird spot to drop in on, huh? <laughs> the middle of Oathbringer. I would if Oathbringer were my favorite book, or if I just wanted to be up on the current episodes first. Anyways, um, my good person this week is. An alleged video game composer. <laughs> um, let's see. He, I think, had the most awards for any vocalist. He created uh, the album, which has, I think, still to date, sold more copies than any other album in the world. Uh, let's see. He's also a very well-known dancer. In fact, uh, speaking of video games, um, his dancing has shown up in uh, various video games such as World of Warcraft and Super Metroid. <laughs> Dave, I have no idea who you're talking about. Who could this possibly you might, be? You may or may not have heard of this guy. Uh, I don't know you know, how popular he is among our listeners. But, the king uh, of pop. He's not very popular. The king though. of pop. The king of pop, Michael Jackson, uh, is my black musician this week. Uh, really excellent. You know, obviously got to start way back in the day with his uh, brother singing in the Jackson 5. Uh, it wasn't even an original member of the Jackson 5, but then became the lead singer. And then uh, the best-selling album of all time, of course, Thriller, which I listened to all the way through today and still had time to listen to a couple of songs again. Like, it's really good. Like, it's amazing. It's not even, like, it's not my number one choice of genre. Or it kind of t abuts my wheelhouse, but isn't really in my wheelhouse. But still, I can appreciate what an amazing album it is. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You, you don't really always think about it, but, like, Michael Jackson's influence in our culture in the West is so ubiquitous that it's sometimes hard to actually stop and think, oh, this is actually the creative work of this one guy, Michael Jackson. Like, I don't know, man. He's just, he's really amazing. <laughs> or was really amazing. Uh, he is. Piece. Yeah. I, I love michael jackson and uh, his music um especially late 70s early 80s that's sort of like my favorite of the stuff that he's released um billy jean is probably my favorite song although i you know i, I like a lot of them from I that i think era. i'll go with uh want to be starting something the first track from mm -hmm. thriller really good i listened to that like three or four times today yeah <laughs> it's I... man i'm so sad that you know he passed away when he did because the music that he could have developed and, and came up with afterwards. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Michael Jackson. Sorry, sorry, Mike. I just want to quickly point this out. I was looking at something on Reddit where um, they had a recording of like Michael Jackson at one of his trials. This is for um, uh, copyright infringement um, or plagiarism. Sorry, plagiarism. And, and they're interviewing him and he's talking about his song making process and he's just sitting there beatboxing on the stand like it's just it's it's so funny like you know he he worked on his own music he can talk about it and everything they're trying to get him on plagiarism but uh they're just idiots for trying to do that like come on that's <laughs> michael jackson um yeah i love i love his music mike i forgot mike. what i was gonna say it was like a year ago oh, sorry mike <laughs> uh well i was also gonna mention you know i 
I touched up, you know, kind of jokingly about him being an alleged video game music composer. Uh, many sources cite that Michael Jackson was involved in composing the music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Yep, there, yep. I, there isn't really anything official from Sega, and he's not credited in the game, uh, whether because of certain circumstances or because he didn't he didn't like the way it sounded on the Genesis or whatever. Um, I read in the Wikipedia article for Michael Jackson also that apparently the, he submitted an acapella demo tape of the Sonic the Hedgehog 3 soundtrack. And like one of the insiders that, that worked on Sonic 3 like suspects that Sega still has this demo tape, this acapella Sonic the Hedgehog 3 soundtrack by Michael Jackson. Like, Come on, why are you not making bank on that? I would love to hear that. That would be amazing. I mean, Um, so according to the wiki, (laughs) he was set to compose music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but he had to leave in the middle of it because of uh, uh, allegations that were made against him um, by greedy people. So, yeah, so I think I think he worked on some of the songs. They keep saying that one. Uh, what is it? The the ice theme. I forget the His name of the song. Theme was was very similar to one of his unreleased tracks back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying like that's like the Michael Jackson song. In that's the one US, of the so more maybe. popular songs in that game too. I love I that song. Yeah. I it's good. I like uh, I like um, Hydrosity Zone better, and I will say Hydrosity, and I will always say Hydrosity. <laughs> <laughs> Metro City, Metrocity. It's one word. If it were Hydros, no, I'm not gonna. Michael Jackson, uh, my good person. <laughs> if you've never week, heard of Michael like... Jackson, you should go listen to his stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially Thriller. I mean, like more people in the world have spent money to listen to this music than any other piece of music in the history of the world. Like, yeah, maybe you should check it out. <laughs> we're currently dropping Michael Jackson and cover. Michael Jackson songs in good things uh, on our channel. So, hey, guys, if you want to join our Discord and come check out some Michael Jackson songs, then you should come join us in our Discord. And how would they do that, Craig? Mike, how come you never do this part? Because I I did it for like 200 episodes. (laughs) It's your turn now. I actually do it a lot. I think if you check the tapes, which I'm not sure you do, Mr. Editor Mike. You've um, done it. You've done it most recently, but you're still... You're still on rookie numbers. Craig is accusing you of not checking the tapes. That's hilarious. (laughs) You will find out. You've done it. You've mentioned. You've done it the most. Craig. I'm trying to. I have a nice little little. Craig has not once checked any tape for the record. Uh -uh, I listened to that one time that you made me listen to. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Cosmercast. There's a but link Craig, I don't there. have any money to give us. You don't have to give us money, Dave. You can come check it, check out our Patreon and look at it and be like, okay, I'll click on the link for Discord. I think it's Mike's turn to say Mike. So my good thing this week is Boots Riley. He directed Sorry to Bother You. It's a good movie. He's a good director. You should check it out. Tori. Uh, so I have been focused on black authors and illustrators and this week i want to tell you guys about um someone who writes children's chapter books so you may not be familiar with his work but these are award-winning chapter books um christopher paul curtis uh, and he focuses on historical fiction these are all high quality books uh from a literary standpoint but reading level wise you could start handing them to your fourth and fifth graders and they'll they'll be able to understand the vocabulary just fine um 
I recommend uh, Bud Not Buddy, which is about a little boy who uh, goes off looking for, um, I don't recall if it was his father or grandfather. Um, I also liked Elijah of Buxton, which is about uh, Elijah, who was the first uh, free Black born in his town at the end of the Underground Rail Railroad. And um, another one that you might have heard of because it's won a lot of awards is The Watsons Go to Birmingham, um, which is about a, a family road trip from Michigan to Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. And um, just the, the family dynamic of that one is delightful, but there's a lot of historical significance going on at the same time. And um, so yeah, Christopher Paul Curtis, a great writer of chapter books for your younger children. Neat. Okay, I think we're ready for chapters, Dave. Chapters, Dave. Starting. With... <laughs> what chapters uh... <laughs> is Dave? that? I didn't read Chapter Dave. Okay, we're reading Bloatbringer by Blandon Sanders or something that rhymes. Chapters twenty-seven through thirty-two, concluding part one. And I think Mike wants to read my bullet points this week. Mike, do you want to read my bullet points this week? Chapter 27, Playing Pretend. Why do girls always take their shoes off? Are they all misborns? <laughs> that's, okay, that's like real life, though. Okay, so, like, girls always take their shoes off in real life. I don't know if anyone else noticed. But, I mean, like, to be fair, their shoes are a lot less comfortable than guys' shoes, I think, on average. But, like... I mean, if you, if you know girls <laughs> who wear heels... Um, my wife sticks to flats, so she's pretty good. Yeah. I will say that the moment Ada gets home, she needs both her shoes and socks off immediately. She sits right down. <laughs> and it's like, they're coming off right now. Oh, are you are you a shoes on in the house household? We are not. Okay. So they have this whole, like, shoe caddy by their door. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're, we're a shoes off in the house kind of thing. I mean, like, like, if you go, like, out to eat, they just, they take their shoes off under the table and stuff. I mean, more often I wear, than guys do, at least. I wear flip-flops constantly, so if I'm, like, at a movie, they might come off, just just as a sort of general comfort thing. Um, hmm. In terms of, like, taking shoes off in the house, uh, I live in Wisconsin, so there's salt as, like, a constant thing in the winter, and you don't want that getting past your doorway, basically. So hmm. shoes come off immediately. I mean, not that you can tell at my house, because we also have cats who love spreading litter. Litter goes everywhere. And then you get it on your bare feet. Yeah, that's a thing. I think I'd rather have it on my bare feet than on my socks. Anyway, moving on. Oh, did you not want to talk about the parentheses bit, or is that later? You can. <laughs> you can read it. <laughs> I'll I'll save that one for you. I feel like you've got a whole, a whole thing for it. Impersonation I mean, it's, spread. It's pretty well known, but... High Prince Amaram. Shallan thinks politics are part of being a soldier. Better tell young Dalinar. <laughs> Redstone Elevator. You're bringing Minecraft into this day. <laughs> Come on. Get that reference. <laughs> Gasp. Kaladin killed Heloran. Gasp again. Mike, I, I, I need to hear more of a gasp. <gasps> there we go. <laughs> Naj must have slipped his horse demon drawing into Shallan's sketchbook. No, not oi. Work for Vatha. It's, I don't understand. I only understand half of those. Also. Uh, oh, is this your first episode, Craig? <laughs> also, Nas. I don't even understand half of them. 
I'm not convinced Nas does any drawings. I feel like he just steals all the drawings and credits him to challenge. Sure. Yeah, he stole Shalon's picture of the <laughs> demon horse and then slipped it into her new book. Well, he had to Xerox them, right? What's the <laughs> what's the like Cosmerian equivalent of Xeroxing? I guess it's here on Rishar. Yeah, it's Banry or or Shalaning <laughs> or Shal- Well, it's true. Didn't they actually like span read a drawing that Shalon made of a Voidbringer at one point? Like it's yeah, that came from yeah. a book. Oh, man, see, I always thought that span reads were, like, text messages, but they're really more like fax machines, if you like, all know what that is. Uh, I, I, I mean, think it is sort of like a Xerox machine. The problem is, it's, you're picking up the span read and actively drawing it. So, so yeah, so it, I guess it would be close to a fax machine, where it's actively oh. copying the picture using the writing tool, which is then transferred to another writing tool on the wherever the heck the destination okay, is. Okay, so it's more like one of the internet whiteboard kind of... But you... the quill and the ink aren't necessarily, like, identical from one span read to another, so you're going to get some variance. Like, there'll be spots mm. of more ink, Whoa, there'll be spots of what less if ink. I had, like, rainbow ink on the other end, and Shalana was drawing a picture of a <laughs> Voidbringer, and I had, like, this psychedelic Voidbringer. They're like, the oh, they're side. so colorful. They can't be evil. <laughs> Then you'd turn a T-Rex into a rainbow chicken, and it would be more scientifically accurate. Chicken. But we know that on Roshar, chicken just means bird. So, all dinosaurs are chickens. Confirmed. Okay. Uh, all right. And all so, chickens are dinosaurs. I think, there's, I think there's some meeting going on. Like, it's one of them big map meetings where Shalon has to be there so Dalinar can have a map spawn. Uh, and, you know, she takes her shoes off. She has her shoes off, which, you know, it's points made, but whatever. Um, but, you know, I think this, uh, I think that means that uh, if we need a director to make a Cosmere movie, be right up Quentin Tarantino's alley. If we would so, like every scene to be about twice as long as it needs to be, and you just stick on it forever, because that's <laughs> what he's been doing for like his last three movies. And zoom in on the feet. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be a thing. Especially in Mistborn. Uh, impersonation, Spren? Right. <laughs> Why did I write I don't this know. thing? I think there, all right, there's some meeting and then Eli shows up and is like, Amaram's a high prince now. Bye, everybody. Uh, she also talks to um, the the radiant that came along with Teravangian, Malata. Malata yeah. is Spark, Spren's name. And what was it? Uh, Pattern mentions that the their Spren, Spark's Spren, it's an ash spren. Ash named spren. spark. They like ash spren. What's an ash spren? They like breaking things because they want to see what's inside. Wait a minute. Is this spren from Roshar? I mean, wait a minute. Is this spren from Scadrial? Edit so, out the part where I said the wrong planet. You're wait a minute. Is Scadrial from Roshar? <laughs> so I will point out that one of the other planets in the Roshar system is Ashen. Ashen, you mean? And another yeah. one is Braze. Which, yeah. which is where all the delicious meats are. Braised beef. My favorite beef. Uh, okay, yeah. ILI, I didn't even write ILI anywhere in these books. I did write High Prince Amaran, which is pretty important. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Who's Oi? Yeah, I, I don't know. who died. What does it say in the copper Holy mine? small fry! Hoi, <laughs> uh, Temni, money, go colleague. All right, so 
Anyways, the important thing that happens in this chapter is Eli shows up and she's like, yo, uh, Amram's High Prince now. We're acting High Prince. And uh, Adolin doesn't like that because Adolin, because why doesn't Adolin like Amaram? Because he had to go to prison because Kaladin made accusations against him? Because Adolin is lawful good and he doesn't like people who aren't on the good. Oh, hang on a second. I guess you can act out of alignment sometimes, but he straight up murdered a dude. He, okay. Well, he's definitely good, though. He, he's definitely on the good side, but I think he's... Oh, that's true. He might be new good. I don't know. Let me let me walk you through why Adolin's so mad about this. Uh, number one, Adolin was already suspicious of Amaram because of his way-too-good um, blah thing. That was Hoyd, you guys. Hoyd was the one that was like, "Oh, I wouldn't touch the stuff that Amaram used to wash his hands." Maybe. He doesn't. He doesn't like dishonest people. Though. Like, like legit. Like Adolin. Yeah, there, there's this whole overhanging thing with Sadius, but other than for the most Sadius, part, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty suspicious of everyone until he gets to know. Him. Remember how suspicious he was of Kaladin. Until they became bros. Well, Kaladin didn't even have boots. How can you trust someone who doesn't have boots? <laughs> what a callback. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe Kaladin's a... Why don't Mistborn wear shoes again? Like, I think we had this discussion about Mistborn not wearing shoes. Like, if you're burning tin and you have a heightened sense of touch, don't you think you might want to wear shoes? <laughs> like, I don't... Well, if you can also burn pewter, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So you're Adolin. explaining why Adolin doesn't like Amaram. Go on. Uh, Amaram's got way too good of a reputation, which means mm-hmm. that it's fake, and he's putting a lot of effort into it because he knows how good of a guy Dalinar is, and Dalinar's reputation sucks. <laughs> well, uh, that's partly due to Dalinar's past, but okay. I mean, his current reputation as of like Way of Kings has nothing to do with past Dalinar. In fact... His current actions are like undermining the reputation he earned as that's as a, a good younger point. Man. Actually, they're like, "Where'd the Blackthorn go?" Right. Um, next up is he's loyal to his friends. Um, Adolin makes friends quickly and easily, and is loyal to them. Kaladin is near the top of that list at this point, and Kaladin said Amaram did a bunch of bad stuff. Adolin believes him. Aw, what a cutie pie! And then, I mean, yeah. that that I think is a great reason too like adolin does actually yeah. trust kaladin at this point yeah for sure i think he like dalinar also believes kaladin but adolin was the first to like absolutely back him up like i'm with you like you were gonna do this thing when you saved my butt during that big fight scene in words of radiance in so the arena dalinar mm-hmm. believes kaladin with evidence adolin yes. believes kaladin yep period yeah Aw, dude i love adolin yep I hope he's, he doesn't turn evil, even though I'm pretty sure he's going to turn evil. He's my best boy. What? I want to talk about that later. Why not talk about it now? He killed um someone who deserved Sadius. to die. He killed someone, Sadius. Someone who's absolutely 100% evil. Who, like, actually literally left Adolin to die. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, there's this something, like, this is all going to come crashing down on Adolin. And, you know, like, we love Adolin, but... Can a little murder here, so you know. <laughs> Just a little. Adolin can have I... little a murder as a treat. <laughs> and this is the part of the recording where we seem like psychopaths. 
Or he's like popcorn popcorn. What Adolin is my precious perfect himbo, and he can he can murder a high <laughs> prince once in a while if he really wants to. Speaking All right? of himbo, oh never mind. I'm not gonna get into it right now, but I've uh, I've been working on something. Um but anyways, yeah, alright. So big point in the chapter Amaram is going to take the place of the late High Prince Sabariel, or no, the late High Prince Sadius. Wait, when did Sab- Sabariel die? Nah, he's, he's all right. He's chill. All he's right. So the, the, other thing, right uh, the other thing that happens in this chapter is, I guess this is the first time, like, it's basically everybody already knew this except for Shallan. <laughs> um, but uh, Kaladin is the one that actually killed her brother. And she finds it out for the first time here in this chapter while they're on the redstone elevator, I think. And yeah, I don't, I don't know anything else here for chapter twenty-seven. But that happens. Uh, she's like, "I got a job for you now." Adolin said that I should use my dudes before they get slackerly. Yep. Don't right. let soldiers get bored. Bored soldiers mm-hmm. do stuff from the movie Jarhead. I kind of like how what is it? Gaz is like. Nah, man, we've been freeloading off you. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and Vatha's like, yeah, I mean, you've been treating us good, but, you know, uh, maybe you can give us something to do. I guess that's it for chapter 27. Anybody else? All right, chapter 28, Mike. Chapter 28, another option. I could always use another option when I'm playing Gradius. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Fen is not on the fence. Looks like someone is growing a shard potato. I want to punch Amaram. You and me both, man. Me too, Mike. Fireplace chats with Teravangian. Four hogmen. Dalinar can log on to the Stormvision internet. Uh, Gradius is pretty good. Yeah, and the option is the best. It's the little thing that, depending (laughs) on how you have it set up, it either follows you or it's like in front of you or whatever. And it it just, it shoots when you shoot and it shoots what you shoot. It's, it's like good. multi-shot, yeah. I you like can always uh, use another option. I like Gradius there a lot. I like playing that every now and on the Super Nintendo. Fen is the Thalene leader, I believe. Thalen. Yeah, yes. Thalen. Queen Fen. And then Queen Fen. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm done playing with y'all. I don't trust the Oath Gate in the middle of my city. We're going to blow it up. And uh is like, oh, and he's walking around. And I think some people from Bridge 4 are like, hey, What's that up there? And Downer's like, it's a shard blade. It's Oathbringer. We said the name of the book. Title drop. And then I... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Although, there's a title drop at, at every epigraph at this point, right? Because not only is Oathbringer a sword, Oathbringer is also a book which was written presumably by Yasna Colin. And I don't know if Amaram actually has anything to do with this scene or if I just felt like punching him at this point, but I want to punch him. And... And every now and then you just feel like punching him, so that's um, fair. So Dalinar drops off the sword with uh, right. Ile, and Amaram is there, and they hate each other. And uh, Amaram's like, be friends. I, I did everything for the greater good because I'm from the movie with Simon Pegg. What's the one? The greater good? Oh right, that that one by um, Machiavelli was it the uh, the prince? No, no, well, I mean yes, but I'm talking about the the, the Cornetto trilogy I, movie. I, I'm gonna feel really uncultured. Was it the, the name is of. it the prince? What's the name of that book? It is the prince. Okay, <laughs> but I'm trying to think of the name of the second Cornetto trilogy movie. The Matrix not, Two. Not um, Hot Shaun Fuzz? of the Dead. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. The Greater Good. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, Yerp. Narp? <laughs> oh yeah, it was Yarp, not Yerp. Now I really feel uncultured misquoting a Simon Pegg movie. <laughs> Alright. Uh... But yeah, that's that's why Amaram killed all those teenagers. It was for the greater good. For the greater good. I mean crime rates were down, right? Um, in uh, yeah. Hot Fuzz. Okay. Yeah, they were. No, it was a great little village, aside from, you know, all the murder. Uh, yeah, after dropping off the sword, Dalinar returns home, and he kind of wants to be alone, but uh, Taravangian is there in his quarters, and, like, Taravangian's pretty chill, he just, like, he's just, like, sup, and he just, like, he chills there and doesn't say anything, he knows that uh, Dalinar doesn't really want to talk, but then, like, does talk at exactly the right time, like, actually really socially perceptive of Taravangian here, and then, uh... Dalinar brings up this parable of the four hogmen, which, of course, he knows from the book, The Way of Kings. Not the one by Brandon Sanderson, but the one by... Nohadon. Nohadon. Nohatton. Which is also by Brandon Sanderson, ultimately. Right. Well, we're not going to get into metaphysics here. Uh, But he talks about this parable of the four hogmen. And so, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Basically, there's four dudes... Or, no, one dude died. So there's three dudes. No, that's four dudes. There's five, there's five total dudes. There's five total. One one gets murdered, and he's like, ah, oh, three of the other hogmen killed me. So now we have four hogmen. Three of them are guilty of murder, and one of them is innocent. So what do you do? Like, that's the dilemma put forth. And Taravangian almost immediately is just like, gotta kill all four, which is very Taravangian any of them. And I very much expected that answer from him. Based on what we know of him. Uh, and Dalinar's like, what are the innocent man? And Taravangian's like, eh, justice system's imperfect. You're going to hang an innocent man once in a while. What's the big deal? So for proper Machiavellianness, which is which is what Taravangian really represents in, in this series, you would appoint like a sheriff or something who is just absolutely brutal to lay down the law and then have him hang all four hogmen and put the blame mm. squarely on him so you don't get the bad reputation. It's like, oh, he he did the hanging. I didn't I didn't tell him to do that. He just felt like it. <laughs> Isn't Taravangian's reputation idiot? Like No, he he's, he has a reputation of being slow, but all right. that doesn't his, his reputation is former genius. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that basically That's... they think he got sick, like what is it? Like five years ago, I believe yeah, it is. When he um, went to go get the old magic. Anyway, that's well, his reputation with like the other rulers of Roshar. I'm talking about like what he represents in the book for the reader. Ah. He's the opposite of Journey Before Destiny. He's the ends justify the meat type philosophy. But but he's also in in the way that, you know, is is told in the prince, he figured out how to do how to do the fear thing while also getting the love thing, which Machiavelli is actively against. Like, don't bother trying to get people to love you. That's too fickle. Just make them fear you. That's the more sure thing. So he's like, he's built on Machiavelli and made it even better because people love Taravangian. Yep, because because he is known as like a benefactor of this of the greatest hospital in the world, and his most recent stuff is like he sent doctors into Yakoved to help people in the in the midst the of their war. civil war yeah. yeah he so yeah he, he he's well loved and he does have a compassionate side like he's not just completely brutal i mean 
on his very intelligent days, he's pretty brutal. He's the one who wanted to kill off a choir of kids or something because he didn't like the song. Wasn't that it? Something like that. So uh, that hasn't happened yet, Craig. <laughs> uh, I don't know where you're. I don't. Uh, yeah. Prank caller. Prank caller. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was uh, words, but um, he's. I th- I think his the way he's seen is heavily moderated by those of the diagram. Like they they make sure to rein in some of his rash, which we also haven't seen yet. Craig. We've just, seen some of it. Well, we've seen him. I don't know if we've seen rash impulses. We've seen some callousness in reference to death, but I think that's about the worst we've seen of him. I'm just going to stop talking at this point because I don't know what we've read yet. Uh, so where hey do you guys, come down, <laughs> Dave, on the kill three men, kill three guilty men and one innocent man? Where where, where are you at? Oh, man. Um, there is the concession of imprisoning all four, and... I mean, that's, in my mind, still... just as bad on the innocent man. That's, yeah. Like, he's not dead, but his life is effectively over. He's in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it is presented as an option. I mean, that's what actually happens in the parable, right? So, uh, man, kind of putting me on the spot here. <laughs> Do you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where Chief Wiggum's like, I'd rather let a hundred men guilty go free than chase after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I'm glad I'm not in a position where I have to make that decision, and I appreciate that there are multiple sides to it. Let me leave it at that. All right, fair enough. Next chapter? Uh, Oh, or, wait, don't no, forget, we're not Alan quite done. can log on to the Stormvision internet, right? That's pretty important. Yeah, Stormfather keeps not sharing vital information. <laughs> wait, it's it like... works this way? Hold on. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know how you wanted to talk to Fen in person? You can totally do that. <laughs> uh, uh, they, so also, basically... they also shouldn't have had to guess at the next high storm. Like, Dalinar should should just have that information, right? Yeah, why does Stormfather hate Dalinar so much? He doesn't hate it. I think he just doesn't understand that, you know, what would be useful information to Hang him on. and fellow humans. Are you is... saying that Spren don't inherently understand all the intricacies of what's necessary in human knowledge? Yep. Fair enough. Chapter 29. Wait, wait, wait. Does the Storm internet have a modem sound to it when you connect? Oh, absolutely. So when, no. when That's required. No, 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 no. no. starts falling asleep to ears. Noise. Beep, 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 no, That no, noise is what sad. happens when you grab a, a shard blade when you're a radiant. <laughs> what about the sound when someone's on the internet? I mean, all right. What about the sounds from back in the 90s when you had a 56K modem? When there someone was on the internet like, what's, the what's a modem? <laughs> Not the sound of connecting to the internet, but the sound of when someone's on the internet and you pick up the phone. Yep, just sounds like static. <laughs> man, it's remember when and phone boops, and internet man. were the same thing? <laughs> I forced my parents to get a second line just because I was with our mode. Playing StarCraft. Chapter 29. Actually, playing Gemstone and Dragon Realms, which are text-based uh, muds. It's fun. I played Ancient Anguish. See, I mostly played Flash games, and in retrospect, I realized I could have actually downloaded the Flash games and played them without the internet. Chapter 29, No Backing Down. The Silence Between Laughter would have been a cool chapter title. Maybe it still will be. You don't know. He went that away. 
When did she turn into radiant? Jump in. Unmade Reshafir, the Midnight Mother. There's no Shalon shadow. Not safe for Pillar. Oh, yeah, she totally touches <laughs> that pillar with her safe hand. Not safe Which is ironically for... unsafe. Uh, all right, so Shalon's been chasing this murderous shadow sprint thingy, and they get down there and chase it, and it's apparently this ancient unmade prince or whatever. I don't know. Uh, one of the interesting things about this chapter is that Shalon, on one single page, page 301, if you have my publication, which you may or who cares, um, Shalon goes from Vale to Shalon to Radiant, three different personae, just without any kind of transition, three times in a single page. Like, her, her existence among these three personalities is kind of transient at this point, and she's kind of like... All three, but only one at a time, but all three at the same time. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Just the way that it's written, it kind of indicates that she's taken on these three personae without any kind of like I don't know. It's I guess the best word is transient. She's one or the other at any given time, depending on what she needs. Uh, kind of reminds me of that old Nickelodeon cartoon, Doug. There was Doug. And there was Quail Man, and there was Race Canyon, and there was Durango Doug, and there was uh, Smash Adams, which actually, that's a really funny name, Smash Adams, uh, who was like the James Bond version of Doug. And he's just kind of like all of them in his mind, one at a time at the same time. That's kind of how Shalon comes off here in, in, in many chapters up to this point, but especially in chapter 29. Uh, so, you yeah, know, she's Shalon like, is Doug. You got it. <laughs> Shalon is Doug, uh, but instead of writing in a journal, she draws picture drawings, and she's like, oh, Pattern, go get people, or I'm going to run in here by myself, and he's like, I'll be right back, and he, I think he finds Adolin, and Adolin gets all of Bridge 4 to come join them. And Renarin, and they're all and in Ren Shard Plate. Renarin's in Bridge 4. Yeah, but Bridge 4 doesn't have Shard Plate. Renarin does, and Adolin yeah. does. Uh, I guess it's it's worth noting that Renarin is kind of like, you know, they're, they've accepted Renarin as one of their own, and they're joking around and teasing him and stuff. It's legitimate bridge for. Uh, so anyway, they fight this shadowy thingy, and uh, it's it's the Midnight Mother, Risha Fear, one of the unmade. We've heard all about her before, and now we get to see her. Have we heard about her before? Yes. Uh-oh. Uh, in one of Dalinar's visions from the Way of Kings. Whatever, I'm not going to remember that. Remember the Brandon uh, knows shadow, I don't remember that. shadow panther thingies? Okay. I'm asking you a question. Do you That's remember like... the shadow panther thingies? Nope. That was like okay. the, the first vision from Way of Kings, I believe. That was like six years ago. How do I remember <laughs> that? It was fighty time, fighty time. Kill, kill, kill. Oh, punchy, punchy, shooty. Yeah. Yeah, Dalinar... Pretended that a, a fireplace poker was a was a shard blade. It was great. Oh yeah, that did happen. Was that when we meet female radiant? Yeah. Was it, he had the vision yeah. where he was like this guy. It was like a farmer, and he was yep, like, yep. okay, I remember Yed, this vision where he was like was. he was like in an RPG. But you didn't remember that he was attacked by this weird shadow panther thing. No. I just okay. remembered female radiant. Multiple weird <laughs> shadow panther things. I've actually cast her sure. in my secret cast list. Uh, anyway, that was where the Midnight Mother was mentioned. Uh, Should we talk about the unmade? I kind of want to talk about the unmade. I ain't gonna stop you. Okay, so Odium has nine super spren called the unmade. 
They all do different nice. stuff. This is one of them. The end. Mm, one for what each a number. Horse. One for each horse head. Um, you have you have seen evidence of several of the unmade at this point. Would you like to take some guesses? Uh, Night Mother or Night Watcher? What was her name? Nope. She won. She no, is not okay. one of them. She's not a Nodium spren. Uh, Midnight Mother. Yep, you got it. You got Void. one. <laughs> Void spren. <laughs> No, void sprint is like a category. I mean, that's there are regular void sprint. This the the unmade are special super sprint. Is there one for each uh, each herald besides uh, Talon Ellen 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 L Stone Thin You? It's fun that you bring that up because I have a theory that these are actually the spren of the honor blades minus hmm. towns that have then been corrupted by odium. I don't know how accurate this theory is. I'm going to need to learn some more to either confirm or debunk it. But yeah. Oh, you that's... should read Rhythm of War then. I should. I really should. Yeah. I mean, it's been out for a while. So is that your only guess, Dave? Mm. It's all right. We'll just we'll just keep reading. I mean, Renarin's pretty pretty weird. Yep, you <laughs> nailed it. Renarin's an unmade. <laughs> I like how out of context, yeah. Renard's pretty weird. He's pretty weird. Um, he could be one. You are actually closer than you think you are, but you are not correct. Dalinar is pretty weird. <laughs> you know, um, you're actually closer than you think you are, but <laughs> that oh, is not correct. Gavilar is pretty weird. Oh, I wonder if, like, maybe maybe the Parshendi were actually preventing Gavilar from, like, summoning one of the uh, unmade. Like maybe one of the um like the pers- like the listener god is one of the unmade. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this out here. You don't have the context to make it make sense, but yes, you are one hundred percent correct, Dave. Wait, which one? I missed it. I was I didn't listen. What did he say? What did you say, Dave? The listener's god is one of the one unmade, is what I said. <laughs> that Gavilar um, was gonna release. Okay. Yes. Yes. Good job, Dave. You figured yeah. it out. Yeah, man, you nailed it. I read the I read the prelude. Let's go, Woo. or prologue, whatever. All right. Um. Yeah. You want to keep talking about the chapter? Uh, I don't know. It was pretty exciting. I didn't write too many detailed notes on it though. But yeah. So like, Shalon is. Oh well. All right. So the beginning of the chapter is pretty interesting. Uh, Shalon was like, ah, this dude killed a guy. He um. How did he kill the guy? Uh, bottle to the back of the head. Yeah, he bottled to the back of the head. He was trying to be feisty, but he murdered the dude. Oops. And then he was hanged at trial. And then Shalon's like, all right, look, watch out for someone getting smacked in the back of the head for, you know, for the shadowy thingy that's copying murders. But then, oh, it actually turned out that uh, that the Spren copied the hanging killing and not the bottle to the head killing. So... Anyways, that's how she finds the sprint, and then she chases it down in this pit. Where uh, here's the old library that Yasna was looking for. Like, oh, Erythru has all these books, you know. So we'll go find Erythru, and we'll have all this knowledge. But all the books are destroyed and unreadable, and crumbly and falling apart. But then there's also these like murals of uh, like pagan drawings and stuff, and the pillar and the silence between laughter. And Risha Fair is here, and this thing that I heard once in two books ago. But you know, they understand Risha Fair as uh, a malignant force 
of these old fairy tales and stuff. Um, hey, Craig. Yo. Why uh, did the hanging get recreated, but not the bottle to the back of a head? It's interesting. I, I would have to say, so... Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Uh, my guess is it was the most recent method of killing a, a human being. Do you have a, a guess, Mike? Uh, I think it has to do with the like level of emotion involved. I mean, that's what I'm thinking of, but the the first event with the bottle to the uh, back of the head definitely was more like in the moment violent. But m- maybe that's just what it is. It wasn't a we're thinking about executing this huh. sort of thing, uh, which lasts in people's minds a lot longer. This is a sudden event that just sort of happened and it was well, accidental. yeah it's interesting because if you go back the dude that murdered his wife you know they probably had been married for a little bit of time and then you know adeline's emotion towards sadius was negative over a long period of time yeah and when so, shallan stabbed a dude in the hand she really wanted to stab someone in the hand for like years <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on a second but that wasn't shallan that was Vale. Honestly, I think it's just sort of a combination of both things. I think it is because it was rather recent, so it's it's executing that sort of action. But I do think it's also the level of them as well. I think you're both right. All right. Next chapter. Chapter 30. Chapter 30, Mother of Lies. Shallan scares the pencil sharpener. Jemmy no, Pillar. it says shapener. Oh, you're right. Shallan scares the pencil sharp shapener. <laughs> pencil shapener. I couldn't. I don't know if that was a typo or if I specifically meant shapener. And then Jemmy Pillar. Um, Craig, <laughs> did I mean sharpener or shapener? I feel like I typed shapener on purpose. I, I feel like that is on purpose. That had to be, otherwise your autocorrect friend would have fixed it. Yeah. Why did I write shapener, Craig? <laughs> Mister Coppermind. <laughs> um. Pencil. Hold on. Shallan scares the pencil shapener. Why? Why pencil though? Like I know why shapener because it it likes to to shape uh, into like figures of of humanoid and other things. But I, I don't I don't I don't know why pencil and or just Jemmy because pencil sharpener. I know why Jemmy pillar because it's Jemmy bears. It's it's covering the pillar that has thousands of cut gems in it. Like that's that's what it was attached to. And by it, we're talking of Reach of Fear, of course. Um, Night Mother, yeah. Not the Night Mother, the Midnight Mother. Midnight Mother, sorry. I think that's close. You're close. Uh, Midnight is part of night. What else happened? I think we actually, I I thought that this was part of 29. I don't know. There there is a good, like, section where, like, Shallan's actually sort of learning what Reshipner is, ship her is and and sort of learning its identity um but it's also trying to bond with her and replace pattern which is scary so like that that whole thing happens in this chapter yeah <laughs> and it's all from shallan's pov and she's confused about what's happening which is mm. confusing for me the reader yeah but the yeah. the end result is big shadow thing go away and they find a jemmy pillar chapter 31 Chapter 31, Demands of the Storm, Revelar, The Fused. I love how Sylphrena gets jealous about the glory spren. Dark Stormlight. It would have been okay if that boulder had ripped off Kaladin's arm. Windbreak. Kaladin is home. Wow, what a chapter. Yeah. Sounds like a lot happened. Oh yeah, you better believe that Craig's going to read the copper mine and what? explain what my notes mean. Why don't you, this, you just read this chapter, it should be fresh in your mind. So... 
now we zoom in to Kaladin. They're they're <laughs> reaching. Yeah, so he's, he's still with the uh, the parchment parchment on the lamb here, and, and they find a city that's like has all the parchment. Yeah, like, Revelar is the name of the city. That's right. Uh, and there's some humans here, and they're all in a cage. And Sylphrena warns Kaladin that a high storm is coming. And Kaladin finds one of the fused, which are, I, I guess, the parchment that had uh, taken on storm form. And dark stormlight. They're like storm dark, these, these fused. And, oh gosh, Sylphrena's so cute, you guys. There's all these, like... There's all these glory sprint uh, popping around Kaladin and Sophrena's like, no, he's mine. He's my <laughs> buddy. He's my best friend. Get out um, of here. She's adorable. And then if you haven't been keeping up. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there's, you know, Kaladin goes with the old gonna bait them into the storm wall trick and it works. And he almost has his arm taken off by a boulder. But you know what? Uh... Pretty sure Stormlight can regrow arms, you guys. I think this has happened before. No, we've never seen it before at all. (laughs) In the meantime, Kaladin can learn a bunch of one-armed Alethi jokes. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Like, while you wait. And get stuck to a wall and have have the High Prince, have uh, King Elokar hide with his mom. (laughs) And then, you know, he goes back to Shattered Plains. He actually starts. He talks to uh, Stormfather at this point, and I don't remember him actually having be able to talk to talk to Stormfather before. Well, I mean, he's actively in the High Storm, so like, well, if yeah. you're gonna do that, that's kind of the place. So you know, he kind of like he's kind of like suspended in time for a second to talk to Stormfather. He's like, "Oh, uh, yo, could you spare these people?" And Stormfather's like, "Nah." <laughs> Lol, then, no. Uh, and then Stormfather or Sylphrena helps him find his way back to Erythru or something. I don't know, whatever. Kaladin's uh, back. He spends a few minutes trying to get as many people into the storm shelter as possible, also. Oh, uh, yeah. And he yells at the Parshmen that are there that aren't doing a good enough job of getting them into safety. Yeah, he's like, you have to be better than your captors were. Otherwise, you have no moral victory when you annihilate us. So... What? Didn't he, like, discover a new power or something here? The, he kind of held off the some of the wind from the high storm. Oh, yeah, he has this, like, little barrier. That can, yeah, okay, which I guess being a wind runner, you can somehow block weather a little bit. It makes sense. I mean, I, mean, I think he's just applying his surges. It's just an interesting application of that. Is he lashing the wind? Could be. Hmm. Oh, I was but thinking yeah, he, this was maybe his his mixed thing. That's why windbreak is there because he's Cause, he's like windbreaking. Because yeah. this doesn't really work in my mind as one of the three things. But like that, as a combination, the, maybe yeah. surges. Yeah, this might be his special combo power. Combo power, like drawing a map. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or you can combo himself, and he can eat some eat. combos. Yeah, I'm hungry. Anything else? We have uh, another chapter, don't we? Oh, the Stormfather with the high storm sort of guides him back to Erythiru. Yeah. Because he was just going to like take gems and keep trading them to go back to the Shattered Plains, which is to the east, which is the wrong way. Well, he was going to take the Oath Gate from Shattered Plains to Erythiru, right? Yeah, but to get to the Shattered Plains, he's got to go east, which is not the way the storm goes. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe he was actually a lot closer to Erythiru than he realized. 
Yeah, because at this point, they still don't have a clear idea of where geographically Urethru is. Mm-hmm. I think Kaladin's and about to find it, out, guys. Maybe it's not always in the same place, either. Maybe it moves like the island from Lost. Or video games. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or it's the floating continent from Final Fantasy VI. Which I was going to say Final Fantasy Legend 3, which is actually part of the Saga series. Not Anyway, let's forget it. I was thinking of the Fortress from Secret of Mana. See, that's why I just said video game. <laughs> because many video games. All so right. we got one more chapter, right? Yeah, so chapter 32 is only a couple pages. And I thought, you know, I'd wait till the last minute and read the last couple pages. Uh... And then I got home, and I kind of forgot about it. So I hope you guys know what happened in chapter. I'm sure, I'm sure nothing important happened. In I'm sure no random characters showed up in chapter 32 that we weren't expecting to pop up out of nowhere. Uh, I'm just kidding, you guys. Here's some notes. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> chapter 32, Company. Sabario will build his koi pond as soon as my dad sets up his model train set. Okay, hang on. We gotta we gotta stop right here. Sabario <laughs> being like, oh, there's this pit there. We're gonna put a koi pond there. Yeah, we're like, we'll get around to it. It's like this is like the ultimate dad thing, I think, is to have this project that you're never gonna get around to. Like, this is so dad right here. Does Sabario have any kids? I don't think he does. It doesn't matter. This is so dad. Alright, Craig, what's your forever projects that you're never Dude, actually going to get many. done. I mean, it's just the way it is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but there should be like one big one. So what is it? I don't have one just yet. Not not a like super. There's a lot he, of little ones. Like he's you know. new to the dad thing. You got to <laughs> give him time. Like we want a sunroom. We want to remodel the kitchen. We're never going to do that. We're going to get solar no, panels. Okay, that's stuff that you and your wife want to do, and that you're like working on for the. Like, what's your one little pet hobby thing? I know what it is. It's your pinball room. You only have one have pinball, pinball machine. Table. You it's only fine. have one pinball machine. They're expensive, man. <laughs> It's like, yeah, but where's your, like, big game? Like, oh, don't move any of the stuff in the basement. Dad's going to get this <laughs> pinball room working one day. That is sort of my <laughs> board game room, though. I have, like, a huge pile of stuff I have to clean up. There you go. There it is. That it's I never huge, will. It's like, don't clean up those board games. Don't move them. Dad's working on this side hobby project. Don't move them. It's like these planks that are covering the, like, this koi pond that Sabariel says he's going to build. He's like, don't walk on his planks. I'm working on his pond. <laughs> Yo, I'm reading a copper mine entry on Sabario, and it says in trivia, Sabario and Ashweather set together would make a good comedy. That, that's <laughs> from a, that's a word yeah. of brain. Yeah. But I agree. Rishafir kills humans to understand them. She should team up with Teravangian. No, there would be so much. But there oh. would be so much knowledge. But Kelowna... every time. I'm sorry, Mike. I was going to say every time he kills. They kill off one of the uh, patients just to get the the words. Then they don't it would kill copy the patients it. off. They just don't. Hear. No, they so, kill the patients off. There's active oh, bleeding. Do. Yeah, I thought they um, were doing bloodletting, but uh, yeah, yeah, it would do that too. It would just double the amount of people dead, and suddenly you go from hospital and to... quadruple the knowledge, and ultimately save many people. It's Machiavellian. Polona is nice, smiley face. Shala. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> kind of she feels like Shalana, an adult. Shalana has a lot of personae, so Wait, is that on? Is that a in purpose misspelling, Dave? Uh, no, that actually wasn't um, the what I I, I actually 
All right, so I did read this uh, these this last. It's three page, two two pages. Like if you count them, um, I did read it at the uh, the last minute, and I was actually on my PC as I was reading. So it wasn't autocomplete sprint. This was real P keyboard typing. What was the question? It's Shalon. Shalon should be the first word of this and fix it. Shalon kind of feels like an adult, just like me sometimes. Yeah. The bridge boy is not the only person to arrive at Urathiru. Wait, what? Huh? Who arrived? What? Who was Explain. it? I'm at the edge of my seat. It's Yasna. No, what? she died. died. We never thought, we never, we didn't ever think she would come back. All the characters thought she was dead. Nobody, no crime. Except for Hoyd. <laughs> and some lizard crab things. They were there too. <laughs> And that's the end of part one. Okay, so regarding the epigraphs to part one, where where yet on who wrote them? I still think it's Yasna, but the fact that I think it's Yasna means it probably isn't. That's all okay. I'll say about that. I mean, um, someone who's labeled a heretic and a monster, like it still fits Yasna. But your brother had a pretty cool, a pretty interesting guess. I would say uh, hmm. he originally thought it might be. The Sunmaker, Sadiz, original carrier of Oathbringer. Oh. Um, uh, and then, and yeah. then he swerved to Yasna. So. Yeah. Craig, you started to say something there. Yeah, who do you think it is, Craig? Yep. Spook? Uh, I don't want to say. Yeah, it was Spook. It's Spook. <laughs> Frost? Spooky epigraph. Lord <laughs> Mistborn. It is definitely someone who is on Roshar or was on Roshar. Yeah, but that's oh, everybody. It's Demel. Look, I, I'm i not going <laughs> to narrate it for you. You're just going to have to figure it out. Elendi. All right. Craig mentioned that he has some spoiler stuff, so let's go do that. All right. Have a great week, everybody. This has Hi, been Dave. Dave, and this has been the non-spoiler section. And play the thing. Sign us off, Dave. <laughs> Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. He just referred to himself the plated thing, dude. Oh, what? Does that, wait, does that mean that he just volunteered to edit this episode? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know how he would edit the spoiler section. I was just like, I'm going to cut all the silence and hope it works. Um, man, there's a few things, because we didn't really have spoiler time last week i don't know if i want to go over too much but doing my reread of those chapters i'm like man there's stuff i sort of wish we talked about um but the first thing i want to discuss uh has been brought up in our discord and it's it was a question posed by dave's brother so he's never going to listen to this until like five years in the future but he was asking about rot sprint because we had that the chapters last week where rot's been were popping up and i made the comment how like they're sort of while they don't necessarily have germ theory, they're still better at being clean because they have rot sprint to sort of tell them where it is. So yeah, they have they have active like visual confirmation of yeah of various medicines and how how effective they are. Right. Right. It's it, like, does this work? Oh, the rot spent rot sprint ran away from that. That means it works. So this is sort of discussing how Sprint themselves work, how, where they come from, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, we're going to get a bit more information in this book itself 
later on as we actually visit the cognitive realm and see what Sprin looked like there, which is sort of interesting. Like, just as a side note, the Sprin there, like, you can see their body parts sort of leaking into the physical realm. Like, there's some creature. Is it an anticipation Sprint? I forget which one it is, but it has a tongue. And you can see the tongue, like, the tongue, the tip of the tongue is what appears in the physical realm. But it's like a beast thing, the mouth. Yeah, we get... We get parts of it during the uh, Alice Car mission, yeah. the um, Colinar, the Colinar mission, yeah, and then and then we get the other part of that during the incredibly boring, holy crap, I hate that section road trip. What? There's it's... so much there, though. Oh, it's so boring, Mike. I'm the gonna only... have spoiler stuff to talk about then, so I'm sure you will. But the, it, 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 part it's... four, guys, part four <laughs> is really boring, except. The the Zeth parts, those are great. Those are those are the things that kept me going through that part. During the first read, it's not too bad, and I can understand on a reread, you're like, oh, we gotta get through this part. But there is a lot of Cosmere wide stuff that's there, so we're gonna discuss it. It's, and I'm hoping it's dense in info, but story wise, it's sort of meh. I'm hoping it gets better for me on this reread, but I'm I'm not, not. I'm not that hopeful. Anyway, so Sprint. So Sprint originally came about because, I mean, they exist in the cognitive realm. They are cognitive entity. People would think about certain things, and it sort of gave shape to those existing in the cognitive realm. Now, the way that things are set up on Roshar, you can sort of leak things through from the cognitive to the physical realm. So you have Sprint. Like, Sprint is just a thing that exists, just like um, on uh, the um, Cell. You have the the Seons and everything. Very similar to Sprint, but they exist there. Um, so yeah, Sprint sort of leaked through. And what happened over time is that Sprint themselves got their own identity. Like, originally, it was just because people would think, and not necessarily humans, but um, because I believe Sprint existed before humans were even on Roshar itself, right? Because they were bonding with the uh, the listeners. What's What's so special about Roshar that they get Sprint? That other places don't have that. It must be it must be the amount of vegetar. Like we have a planet that has three different shards that like exist in proximity, but so it probably has something to do with that. Keep in mind, so it's interesting because we see that on cell, and there there were two sprint there, but we don't see anything like sprint or Sion's. Yeah, two shards. What did I say? You said sprint. Two shards. Yeah. Uh, but we don't see anything like that on uh Scadrial, even though there's two shards there it's very interesting so uh, my gut is saying it has something to do with the amount of vesture there but for all we know it was just obi set up to be this way because roshar is an old planet it existed before the shards got here so we don't know but the point is sprint have sort of a mind of their own and they like to eat certain emotions certain thoughts certain emotions because again they're cognitive entities and what i've had a thought um because roshar is so old and because the 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 listeners like existed pre-humans did adenalsium set up something to create spren to like help the listeners sort of exist as as people because that's that's how they go from one form to another is they trap a spren mm-hmm. in their gem heart yeah so okay I think and I've they're not the only on entities like a lot of entities on roshar have gem hearts right and a lot of a lot of those same entities bond with Spren by right. by getting them trapped in their gem heart in the same way. Yeah. So, okay. 
I'm thinking this is this is then an adenalsium thing. Okay. Um yeah. so yeah, so so the point is Spren like to eat emotions and thoughts, and what would happen is over time certain things would create spren. So rot spren were just a formation of, I think we mentioned it before, infection. Like, oh, this is infected. And just thinking about the infection all the time and and why this is happening sort of created these rot spren, which feed on the sort of thing that creates this. So it's it's more not that necessarily people are thinking, oh, this can be infected so much as it knows the conditions for an infection. And when it starts noticing those things, it will pop up, be like, hey, I want to hang out. Uh, I'm infected and eat some of those emotions. So it's sort of it, it can anticipate it, it. It sort of knows it gets that feeling. Um, so I don't I think originally rot were created from people uh, thinking about infections, but it, of course, has a mind of its own. Just now it notices a condition that could necessarily form uh, an infection and will start popping up when that happens to be the case. That's sort of my thought of why it works, but I didn't want to go into it too much in non-spoilers, just because it is talking about a bit more of the mechanics of how this stuff works, which you don't find out until part four. Right. And some part three. Yeah. Um, At least I didn't spoil that. By the way, I looked it up. The interview, the interlude with the killing the kids in the choir is I-5 of this book. I'm sorry. I thought we read it already. I know I we mean, talked. It's... I know we talked about it in spoiler time before. That's why I'm like, oh, we must have read it before. I, I I just didn't know where it popped up. I think it's fine. It's not like new information. It's just sort of a new version of the information we already had. So yeah, still, it would have been nicer for Dave to read it on his own. But still, he'll pop up and be like, oh, there it is. That's what Craig was talking about. Okay, let's talk about the unmade. So Reshafir, the Midnight Mother specifically is scared of light weavers, right? Yeah, yeah. Because previously a light weaver had trapped it. Sure. Dalinar is able to trap the thrill. Yeah. Not because he's a bondsmith, but because he... He has a connection to it. He has a connection to the thrill and, like, has put an effort to put the thrill behind him. Like, yeah. Yeah. He and knows then... the thrill. In, like, that's that's the sort of understanding action that you need. Go on. And then Ba Edo Mishram, am I saying right. that right? Yes. Um, that one is is Bondsmith specific, right? The the Bondsmith was the one that somehow captured it. As far as we know, it was like the last big Bondsmith that, that did that. Yeah. So presumably, for each of these unmade, there is an order that is an active counter to it, and then Dalinar being able to take out the thrill was just. Because it's Dalinar, not because he's a Bondsmith. So there's there's an entire other order that could have handled the thrill. Right, that it may, maybe tries to avoid. I mean, typically, Night Radiance aren't affected by the thrill at all. So it just sort of avoids Radiance. We don't know which one it doesn't like. It, it's been described that the thrill is more of a force of nature than anything, so... Yes, so like some of the Unmade have, have minds. Most of them do, I think. But we also have at least a few that aren't so there's there's the thrill obviously doesn't really have a mind is just more loves fighting lo share loves sharing how much it loves fighting doesn't really think and then the the gluttony one that's in heart of the revel heart of the revel thank you and then do we so there's the other one that is like inside the gem that amaram eats yeah and then it just sort of gives him all these different surges access yeah. to surges does that one have a mind do we know um, I don't remember I think anything on it. Uh, I have to look it up, but I believe that one's closer to a force than a 
mind, but it's it's a little bit higher than the thrill, but not by much. When we talk, I okay. forget. It. I also forget many things. As Shart, no, oh, that's as Shart Marn is the heart of the revel. We know there's Mo Moloch, the the thing that's giving the the words, right? The uh, death rattles. Death, the death rattles. rattles. That I think is also more, and it just moves to where a bunch of people are dying. Like Yelignar. Yel Yelignar is the eat it and you get a bunch of surges. Although it looks like you get access to all 10 surges, which is very interesting that an unmade of odium can give you access to 10 surges because typically you don't have access to adhesion. That's that. Now that I've read Rhythm of War, that to me is more interesting than it was before. Do we have confirmation that it's all 10 surges? I mean, I, uh, let me say... The, it's been a while since I read this, so I don't actually remember how that fight Chapter 95 but. epigraph says, Yelignar had great powers, perhaps the powers... Oh, it says perhaps, so we don't actually know. Yelignar had great powers, perhaps the powers of all surges compounded in one. So they don't actually know if he has access to Asian. I mean, we've got the whole fight scene with Amaram, where theoretically we could have seen that, so, but I don't, so we'll I don't keep remember an the specifics eye out. on it, so yeah. When we get to the those chapters, see if he actually uses adhesion. So that's the important one. If it uses adhesion. Um, anyway, yeah. So some are forces. Some actually have minds of their own. Ba'edo, Ba'edo Mishram. So that I was thinking about that one recently because so the whole event that the listeners lost their mind in the first place is because they lost their connection and identity due to Ba'edo Mishram being captured. Which and also may have come about because it was a false desolation. So there wasn't odium for them to connect to. They were connected to this unmade. Right. But this unmade also had an effect on the night radiance because after that point, dead eyes could become a thing. But so we don't we don't know that that's a direct connection. Like it could just be correlation after the th we, we know it happened after the false. Desolation. Um, right. But we don't know that there's that those two something. things are directly connected and there's a good chance that ishar was involved and screwed everything up because he's a butt dude he's totally at fault he's the one who probably gave beato mishram the idea to bond to all the listeners to create a desolate guaranteed 100 that is exactly what happened it's him he's the bad guy anyway all right um, so just just we, to break things on, on. down gavilar sucks ishar is a butt <laughs> Yeah. And, are, are we and, clear? And Zane is the worst. And Zane is the worst. Are we clear on so, our taxonomy here? What is our scale here? Because I think I would put Gavilar as the absolute top tier worst. I don't. Maybe Ishar. I think Ishar second, and then Zane. Because Zane is rather personal. Uh, so I'd put him third. Yeah, Zane hasn't escalated to mass murder. But Gavilar's the worst. Uh, yes. And I'm pretty sure he is the one who caused Okay, the but we've previously established that Gavilar sucks and Zane is the worst. <laughs> yeah, now, well, I, I don't think I don't think that should like influence our ranking, like our relative rankings. Just we need we need to keep, you know, words connected here because they but have Gavilar meaning. is the worst of the worst. No, Gavilar sucks. Keep track. But, keep up. Yeah, but I'm you know it's bad when he's worse than the worst. Yeah, like after we get Navani's point of view uh, prologue in Rhythm of War, I I just I I I think all the bad thoughts about Gavilar now. Like he was bad before that, but our our sweet baby Navani like doesn't does not deserve that treatment. And... Okay, she has it much better now. And the Stormfather is a really terrible judge of people. He is, and keep in mind Navani 
is now our second Bondsmith. And I want to know what she's capable of doing. I'm excited oh, to read the first so, book. Um, we were talking about the unmade. And, and forgive me, I don't have my thoughts in order. I'm just going to ramble for a minute. And you guys can be a part of that. But like, um, so the unmade, we have talked about this before. We think our... They were once normal Sprin who were not corrupted because that's what the other lady does. But like they were unmade, right? Like they're something they're not, that Rabinell slash Odium. Can. Yeah, it, they're they're not quote unquote corrupted Sprin because that's like like Renarin has a corrupted Sprin. That's something else. These these yeah. were normal Sprin that were somehow unmade. So I'm thinking oh. Rachafir was a creation Sprin, possibly, maybe, hmm. or. A spren of the one of the honor blades that got right, corrupted but, directly but what, by odium. But but they are. I, I don't think I'm with you on that theory, Mike. Like, but yeah. um, like like you know, the knights radiant they form a bond with a specific type of spren, and right. those spren be- become their shard blades, and so now you've got the um, word just left me. Well, what if Ray Sheepner instead of a creation spren? was a cryptic spren. A cryptic, yes. That was the other thing I was going to say. Like, a lightweaver spren. Because um, it doesn't like lightweaver. Right. It could be you... an unmade lightweaving spren. So, I I first thought creation spren, because if you go back and read the fight scene, uh, it talks about how, you know, it changed all these forms. Like, it specifically verbatim says, like a creation spren. Um, throwing mm. out all of these forms and images and... um creating stuff but um so yeah i like the idea of either it's a creation sprint or a light weaver sprint and um cryptic sorry and um but then when you're looking at um the listeners you know bonding with different types of sprint gives them their different forms and so maybe they were all bonded with the same type of whatever sprint by Mishram was uh so it wasn't just by Mishram being captured but like they weren't all bonded with Ba Edo Mishram, you see what I'm saying? Like maybe they were just bonded with the same type of Sprint. I like I said, I'm just rambling and you guys can be a part of it. Um So the chapter eighty epigraph of this says Bay Edo Mishram has somehow connected with the Parsh people as Odium one. She provides void light and facilitates forms of power. So I think she was actually connected to Parchment. So maybe she broke off bits of herself, like the way the Honor Sprint are pieces of the Stormfather? I mean, I guess we don't know the vehicle of how she was able to with others. We, and we don't. I'm just theorizing out loud. Yeah. It, that they could have accepted her as forms of power. But I mean, mm, I think they had the forms of power that we see, which which requires certain uh, Sprint to be captured. So I, I don't know. I do want to, my, my personal theory is that I think these were bigger. Like, I don't think they were honor, the honor blade spread. I don't think they were basic spread, even if they were unmade versions of the uh, radiant spread, which I think is a, a really good idea. I think they were bigger, mostly because of Bay Edo Mishram. Like, I think, do you not sort think of like the, the honor blade spread would be unique enough to be bigger spread on their own? I believe they're unique, but I don't think they're very big. Mostly because... Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say mostly because people didn't necessarily think too much about Honor Blades until after the Heralds uh, put down the swords. Then they became more of a thing, which is what people could think about. So I didn't think they became big enough until then. And we know 
they that they existed before the heralds put down the sword. The uh, unmade, sorry, the unmade exists before the blades are put down. So I actually, right then and there, Mike, the fact that we've seen reship her in in the past and Knight's Radiance existed, like it was during a desolation, should tell us that the swords, like that, the at the time the heralds were. I I just but I not, don't think. Well, I I don't think. They're the honor place. Anyway, the point is, all I'm getting is my personal theory is that they're bigger than that. Something like the sibling or Stormfather, like giant, unique Sprin that maybe did something unique on the planet that Odium unmade in some way to, to shape it in his vision, which is everything. Yeah, because we do see in Rhythm of War that they're trying to unmake the sibling. Yeah. So we know it's a process. There is a way to make more than just the nine that existed. Um, so it it probably happened during desolations in the past, and they didn't always exist, you know, from the very beginning. But um, that's just my personal thing. Because again, Bay and Amishram, like there's something there, and we do know that once it was once she was was captured, um, even the sibling noted that things change with the way that the rhythms themselves work. Like it had a change. On the rhythms of the of the planet of of the way the investiture works happens to work in the uh, system. So may, maybe she has something to do with music, and that's just how like it's easier to connect to Parchment because they're very much in tune with the rhythms and music. Maybe that's how I was able to connect to it. Bay and Mishram could just have something to do with music and rhythm, not necessarily affecting it, but it could use it and then capturing it changes so that way it's like it's like. Suddenly you have a piano and like someone takes out all the G keys or something like that, like just completely removes those uh, strings and keys on the piano itself. So you can never play it anymore. That's sort of what happened with Bay Ada Mishram. Taking it, taking it back to our good things. So over here, we've got the thrill. And then over here, we've got the thriller, which is (laughs) related to rhythm and music. And yep. But once you have rhythm and music, who could ask for anything more? Okay. I, I, I feel like. Uh, we went slightly off track, but yeah, I'm, I'm I out forget of stuff where we were to, going with the unmade. I'm out of stuff to add here. I, I was rambling, and you guys were coming along, and oh, and nice. so I'm done. I'm done now. Okay, so yeah, we talked about Rotsprin. We talked about the unmade. I'm trying to remember what I read recently in the in the chapters um, that I wanted to discuss. I don't think there's anything oh, major in there. Was it the bit where Kaladin deflects the wind using a bunch of wind sprint, and then we find out later that wind sprint are what the shard plate are made of? <laughs> like, I was thinking that actually when when Dave got to that part, and it's like you know it's sort of like his shard plate. It's like he's like just the step. He was so close. He's going to be so close this whole book in, in saying the words, but he can't. And Sylphrena does a similar thing when Kaladin was strung up back in Way of Kings. Yeah, she does. Like, she blocks mm. just a tiny bit of the high storm from him. Yeah. But this one, we actually see Windsprin taking part in that. And I and love I... how Dave called out the Glory Sprin. Like, Kaladin's all like, woo, I can fly <laughs> again. And there's Glory Sprin, and Sylphrena, like, literally picks one up and throws it out of the way. Like, get just get out of here. Get out of here. Although, aren't You don't Glory belong Sprin... with me. You belong with, with um, Bondsmiths. Go away. Yeah, I was going to say, with Don, Bondsmith's armor is probably made up of Glory Sprin. Um, what are Yasna's? We don't know. What's her secondary? She, she has a plate, but we don't know what, what it is. We don't know anything about her Sprin or yeah, the, the secondary Sprin. The bit where we see her in plate, she's already wearing it when the scene starts. 
Dude, there's so much we don't know about Yasna, and her book is book 10. Like, come on. I don't know. And, like, what is the point of her plate? Like, I get the point of Kaladin's plate now. He can send the pieces off to different people to protect them in, like, it a protects. temporary quick thing. It's protection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is the point of her plate? What does it do that isn't already covered by just being able to breathe stormlight? It could actually make her not necessarily teleport, but maybe dip into the cognitive realm and reappear in a different location, a physical realm. Like, sort of like a... You just a, you just said not teleporting, and then you described teleporting. I know. That's why I say it's not actually teleport, but it sort of looks like teleport. Because her whole thing is, you know, transportation. So, dip into the cognitive realm, reappear someone else in the physical realm at a, at a blink of an eye. Boom. Done. See what I'm saying, guys? Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm just sort of guessing here. Hamita asks, uh, do we know the third Bondsmith? Had a thought if it is Gavilar. Huh. <laughs> I and, don't think so at all. Yeah, I don't think so either, because we know who the third Bondsmith Spren is, and that's the Night Watcher. So it has to be it has to be somebody with an old magic connection, right? Yeah, I would have given you Teravangian, like if he didn't become Odium. And yeah, I, I, I could I have said, been that behind that. I said I think it could have been Teravangian if he hadn't Odiumed. I think the closest person we have now is Lift, but, um, but Lift, she's Lift already... Is already yeah. Yeah, well, let's... we did have that word of Brandon saying that they could, you could have more than one order. You could. Am I remembering that? The yeah. the word That's of Brandon that was happened, that right? you could have more than one shard blade. No, the word of Brandon is you could join more than one order. I could have sworn he mentioned specifically blades, and this was just before Rhythm of War came out, so he was definitely talking about Shallan. <laughs> True, because she could have more than one sprint. I, I remember hearing something about that. You can bond more than one sprint, but you're not necessarily going to get as far as if you just had one. Because you have to balance out both the, any of the ideals or, or oaths that you kept. In, like, in. Well, okay, so if that's a thing, you definitely cannot be anywhere close to a high level of, of both a Windrunner and a Skybreaker. They have very <laughs> opposing oaths. But, like, you might be able to be a Windrunner and a... Um, what is Lift? Edge Dancer. Because, like, you can do both of those things. You could remember people, and you can protect people, right? Yeah, I think some work better together. And, and there's, oh, there's that one epigraph, I think, in the last book, where, like, the Windrunners and the Skybreakers got together, and a great debate ensued, which almost yeah. certainly means they, means they fought each other. They definitely butted heads a lot. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the third Bondsmith Spren, we already know, is, um... Blah. It's the... Night Watcher. Night Watcher. Which, of course, is very interesting, because Stormfather is very much of honor, and Night Watcher is very much of cultivation, and the sibling is the combination of the two. Like, yeah. it, it's very much intentional for that to be the case. So, book five. Um, for the first time, literally ever, uh, Erythiru is actually going to be a really nice place, I think. Yeah. Like, it's going to have heat, and you can grow stuff, and, like... Half the tower won't be off limits. It'll be great. So I haven't re-listened to the chapters, uh, the podcast where we go over our predictions for Rhythm of War. But didn't I say one of the things they had to do was get Aretha working? I mean, yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't a reach. No, it and, wasn't a reach. Now, but now it's going to be like giant stone Hogwarts because you're going to have like moving staircases and the building is alive and also it's a school of magic with different houses in it and except it's, houses. except it's like not actively against people getting to class on time 
Yeah, I think it would actually help them get to class unless they were doing something that captured Sprint, in which case it's like, nope, drop you off a cliff right here. Yeah, I mean, we will have the, none of that. The siblings seemed like a very contrary uh, ornery Sprint from from what we saw in Rhythm of War. I, I, I think if it didn't like you, it would just kind of drop you in a hole somewhere. If you're nice to Sprint, the sibling like that's all there is. Navani's going to have to learn to be nice to Sprint. That'd be tough. I mean, that's like half of her scholarly work is working yeah. on um, Fabrials. So yeah, everybody with a Fabrial, everybody with a, a, a dead eye shard blade, it's just, they're going to be dropped in a hole. <laughs> Navani's going to be like sibling. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Sibling going to be like, what? I didn't do it. <laughs> oh man. I wish I remember what else I wanted to talk about, but th- th- cause there's certain things that started popping up. Um, like we had the conversation with Maurice and Shalon in the in the last um, last week's chapters, which is sort of interesting because oh, what, what, there was something in particular. I wish I had my book on me, but there was something in particular that he says, which in retrospect, now that we know who leads the Ghostbloods, like is sort of very telling. I can't remember what it is. So you just have to take my word for it, guys, and reread chapter was at 22, I believe. This is why I need to make notes, but I am in bed. Before you say anything, Tori, I'm about to go to bed when that happens. We already told you there's all kinds of note-taking devices you can use on your... That there's apps and things. You could be... You could could have just underlined that section. You don't even have to make notes. Just underline it in your e-reader and go back to it later. Or... Yeah, once I figure out how to do that, and then I can at least highlight, and then we do spoiler time. Oh, man, you better... Be prepared, guys. We're going to make spoiler time like 30 minutes longer every day. Okay, Google, take a note. Kelsier is the ghost blood. My wife would hate that. She's going to be like asleep. And then she's like, why are you talking about this? She hasn't even read Stormlight Archives yet. She's waiting for it to be done. She's going to be waiting for a while. I'm going to see if I can talk her into it after book five. I mean, book five should be like a pretty solid ending to the first half. Yep. Like it should feel like two separate series at that point. I th- I hope. So my um, current pet theory is that I don't I don't think Moash will be the champion. I think that's just sort of that that's a bad path to go down. I could be completely mistaken. And when book five comes out, we're gonna be like, haha, shows you. But I think right now, like Moash is pretty much unknown by Taravangian, so he's not gonna pick him as champion. And Moash has a connection with Kaladin. Like he's supposed to be the path that Kaladin could have went with a different focus like they, they sort of have a very similar story leading up to the their branching path and words of radiance so i believe moash is kaladin's foil and that's his problem to deal with and that the champion for odium will probably be someone like gavilar who definitely became a herald and is alive somewhere just not hasn't revealed himself yet or it's l whoever l is but yes l, l is, is the in... he's not referenced he's on screen he gets introduced in the last couple of chapters. Yes. But that that was that was before Teravangian took over Odium. So I don't I don't know if that's gonna be the case anymore. But yes, I agree with you, it's definitely not Moash. Moash doesn't make any sense. Now I know Gavilar was toying with the idea of making uh Kaladin his champion, so that might still be the case, but you I think I, I like G- Dalinar was you thinking s- about making yeah, Did you, I say Gavilar? You I'm said sorry. Gavilar, which was very confusing because I don't think Gavilar Dalinar knows that Kaladin exists. Made the comment that he should let someone younger, like Kaladin, the champion. It's it, I think it was in the last series of chapters. Um, however, 
I think you made a, a point one time that if we had a scene of Dalinar as champion versus Gavilar as champion, like that is the only way for Dalinar to. If Gavilar is the champion, Dalinar cannot fight him. I think. I hope I, I said think, that all right. <laughs> I think Dalinar is sleeping on like the tactical possibilities of Renarin, honestly. As his champion? Yeah. Someone who can look into the future. He basically has ATM all the time. And he blocks um, outside future sight. Yep. So, yeah. Renarin should at least be involved. If he isn't the champion, he Absolutely. should be, like, there. You have but... someone who can look into the future. Why? Well, I know why they're not using them. Because looking into the future is wrong and evil. And also, they don't know how it works mechanically like we do. Mm, true that. Anyway, this episode has gone really long, and I would like to end it, please. Yeah, I want to go eat something. So, well, bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.